Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Matt, and this is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit, your beacon of freedom and the American way of life. Tune in every Friday for a new episode as we dive into the world of liberty and what makes our country great. So we're going to get into our subject here today, and one of the things that really makes us tick collectively is the Second Amendment, and we really wanted life, liberty, and the pursuit to be about lots of things that we're into, not just the Second Amendment, although 2A is a really important aspect of protecting those freedoms, and we wanted to kind of lay out uh, some of the things that we feel are important with the Second Amendment, and maybe there's some people tuning in that have some varying opinions about you know what that means to them, or or they may hate it altogether. Maybe uh, in the course of this podcast, you'll walk away sort of understanding a little bit more about what we're about uh, in the way of this. And uh, yeah, let's dive into it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, it's a it's a great opportunity to get the fresh take on the modern two way. Um, so many times you'll see or you'll hear the argument uh, and everybody's heard this that is, you know, an advocate or they really uh, care about the Second Amendment. Oh, they didn't have this type of weaponry when the founding fathers made the wrote the wrote the Declaration of Independence and the uh, Bill of Rights. Well, that's true. But at that time, the weapons they did have were the most devastating weapons that you could have at that time. They didn't measure it saying oh well this is a this is a musket and it can only shoot you know one one sixty eight caliber round every minute to them that's devastating that was a weapon of war and for them to say we want everybody to have the right to own this weapon would be the same as saying everybody can own the same weapons they do now um we only look at it that way because we know the difference between the two we can see the technology has changed but at the time that the Founding Fathers wrote this, that was the most technolo- technologically advanced weaponry they had. And they still allowed everybody to have it. So when you look at it from that point of view, they knew exactly what they were doing. They didn't, there is no point in time where they said, well, we're just going to give our, the free people the bare minimum. We're going to give them the same exact stuff and the ability to fight off tyranny as we just did, because they just came out fighting a very fierce battle to win their independence, and they knew exactly what it was like to have a tyrannical government oppress them. Absolutely, you know, and that paradigm is also important to look at when it comes to the freedom of speech, right? Uh, We don't say that the freedom of speech only applies to pen and paper, and that if you send it over a digital medium, oh, well, the Founding Fathers didn't have emails. Great point. You know what I mean? So I think it's important, uh, an, an important distinction to make. That, you know, the citizens need to stand toe-to-toe with tyranny whenever it it faces them, you know. And I know that the lifestyle that we have now, we tend to be a little bit jaded and everything's kind of cushy and everyone's comfortable and there's this complacency. And in that complacency does come uh, ignorance, right? People just kind of ignore the fact, you know, unless there's some evil tyrant knocking on your door and it's put up or shut up. People tend to just kind of go, well, if it doesn't affect me, then I won't worry about it right this very moment, right? Okay. 
And then there's even a lot of people that are so-called in the pro-gun world that will go, oh, well, it's it's not at my doorstep, so I'm not going to worry about it until it is. So there's sort of this retroactiveness that needs to happen. And I think the um, 2A has actually never been stronger, okay? We have a stronger community that is pro-2A now than there probably ever has been, and 2A is being embraced by way more people from many, many different backgrounds than it has in the last even, you know, 20 years, right? You know, we've got, you know, tons of minorities out there arming themselves, which is super, super important. Um, You've got really noble work being put in, you know, by tons of people. My buddy KD over there, NOC, such a great dude, putting in the work. You know, Maj Torre, really putting in the work. You know, we'll see about having him on the podcast but, you know, doing really good stuff for the inner cities and getting, um, you know, folks really involved. And there's tons of ladies now that are picking up the gun and realizing, and hey, you know, I've got to protect my flock. i got to protect myself and the people around me. And this modern society we live in is so busy and it's such a hustle-bustle world. And unfortunately, you know, there are broken homes. There are, you know, young ladies who are really strong and doing a great job of, you know, some of them are raising kids by themselves. Some guys are raising kids by themselves. I mean, so there's really tough situations, especially that our females are getting put into. And yeah, there's a lot of head of households that are ladies and they want to protect themselves just like anyone else. And I would say that a lot of ladies are in a much more vulnerable state. And and I don't want this to sound the wrong way and I don't want to ruffle any feathers because there's some ladies out there like Bullet Valentina that could beat up just about any man I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. so let, let, let's let just get that out of there. It's not a macho thing. But ladies oftentimes are victimized in lots of situations. And I think that there's this conceived, preconceived notation that, oh, well, this lady is obviously an easy target or whatever. Whether that's reality or whether that's just the way criminals perceive things, let's face it. Ladies, you know, people think that they can take advantage of ladies. So there's a ton of awesome women that are doing a great job of putting things out there and making it to where other ladies can arm themselves and uh, and encourage uh, the, you know, arming up of a female population. There's tons of new ladies in the shooting world. And I think that speaks volumes, right? People are tired of being pushed around. Our ladies are tired of dealing with domestic violence and other bullcrap things like that. They're tired of being victimized and turned into victims. And they're tired of being in a situation where they can't protect themselves on their own accord. Uh, my good friend, uh, Carrie Sloan, uh, stilettos and shotguns. She's got her Instagram page, but she's been doing a lot of great work going around and spreading her story about domestic violence uh, with you know tons of other ladies and any really anybody that'll listen. But those voices and those stories are really important to get out there because it shows these ladies who are in these really vulnerable positions. Right? Maybe they've been abused before. Maybe they've been in a really bad situation. It shows them that they can empower themselves to protect themselves, protect their families, and to not be a victim. And it just, you know, the victim mentality as we see it is sort of fleeting away. And it's real refreshing to see. And it's it's been a somewhat recent development. I'll say probably within the last 10 or 15 years, it slowly started to uh, turn that way. It, it has. And I I think that um, you, you brought up a really good point that there is a very, very big biological difference between a man and a female. Um, now, uh, women are very empowered. I mean, they're doing amazing things. There's, But the fact of the matter is, typically, uh, they're smaller. They're not as strong as their male counterparts. 
So they do tend to become uh, more, they're targeted more. Why would you take away that equalizer? Um, And I can argue, and I will argue that if you ask any woman that has been a victim of domestic abuse or abuse at all, they will tell you. Or attempted robbery. Or attempted robbery. And I have a great story for that. And I'm going to hit on that next. Um, They will be the first one to tell you that. Um, that's the equalizer. Um, it doesn't matter if you're, if the guy is six, six, 280 pounds versus a, a five foot young lady, the equalizer will tell the truth and it's gonna, it's gonna put you out. Um, but to get back to the, uh, you know, violence aspect of it, uh, a personal story. Um, my mother, like I said, uh, you know, we spoke about previously, um, we're small business owners and it, around 2008, uh, 2007, 2008. I think I just got out of the got out of the army. Um, she was she was followed home from the bank. She had made a withdrawal from the bank, and um, you know, not to, to play stereotypes, but in the Asian community, um, it's known that you know you carry a lot of cash on you. Um, it's it's pretty prevalent uh, at that time. So somebody followed her from the bank. Uh, she did have a large amount of cash on her, and. Uh, they, they attempted to rob her at her business. So she went back to her business and they robbed her at gunpoint or they tried to rob her at gunpoint. And, you know, luckily uh, this person pulled out uh, a handgun. It was a uh, uh, auto, the auto loader, and it malfunctioned. He pulled the trigger um, and it malfunctioned and it did not go off. My mom uh, essentially grabbed a hold of, go grabbed a hold of him, this little five foot Korean lady. She grabbed a hold of the gun, uh, and at that time, three of our employees and my dad came out of the back, and they tackled him. Um, and this is on record. Um, you know, if anybody's interested, thinking I'm a liar, City of Dorville, 2007. <laughs> um, uh, and they tackled him, and they pinned him to the ground and uh, called the police, and the police came. And it was just one of those sobering stories, knowing that, you know, yes, that could have been the end of my mother's life. Um, pulled the trigger and click no boom. So yes, we're extremely fortunate that he didn't know what he was doing. Does that make me uh, feel like uh, there's weapons in the hands of the wrong people? Of course, there's weapons in the hands of wrong people, but there's also weapons in the hands of good people. And to take away from one is to take away from all. And that shouldn't be the case. Um, I'm a very strong advocate of the Second Amendment. I believe the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, that might sound like a pretty negative thing to say coming from my perspective, because um, if you look back at history, I should be on the other end of it. I should, my mom almost died. Uh, she, I could have been getting a phone call that, you know, she was shot and she was dead. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't think that that, she doesn't, you know, she's not pro-gun by any means, However, she's not anti-gun either. She's just one of those in-betweeners. Even with everything that she's experienced and things that happened to her, she's still just kind of, you know, meh. You know, it is what it is, um, which I count as a win. I'll, I'll take that as, as a win. And I mean, sure. there's certain there's certain people that you're never going to be able to change their mind. But as long as you can educate them to not have an anti-stance on it, I think it's still okay. That's at least, you know, kind of a first step. And right. I will acknowledge something that um, you see a lot on the anti-gunner's perspective. And they always say, well, 
all these gun nuts out here, right? They say, oh, you're a gun nut. Well, then you're just going to get a gun because you want to, you are trying to live some fantasy that something's going to happen and you're going to get to shoot somebody or something like that. There's a lot of these really inaccurate statements that get put out. Not only do they manipulate crime statistics in a really dishonest way, but they also paint gun owners as being something that we're not. And I'd like to acknowledge that in this podcast. You know, I feel that I'm not, you know, I love guns to death, right? And I'm a gun nut. I mean, if you ask anybody that knows me personally really well, you know, trust me, I'm a gun guy, 110% tried and true. But I think I can speak for people and say this, that when when someone says they're a gun nut, it's not that they're in love with violence. It's not that they're in love with guns as a tool to just destroy everything in their, in their sight. Now, if someone wants to cash that check and they're going to be an evil, heinous person, then sure, absolutely I want the ability to protect myself and my family and my community and my country, if need be. I'm not, I'm in love with what guns bring me, right? So guns give me security. They allow me to pursue my freedoms. They, they give me the teeth to fight a tyrannical government. So it's the benefits of being a gun owner that I'm in love with even more than the tool itself. Right. No, I I agree. And that's the way that I tend to look at it. Right. Um, And don't get me wrong. You know, the newest gun comes out or or whatever type of rifle or pistol or shotgun or anything or suppressor comes out. I'm 110 percent. Heck, yeah, I want that. You know, we we all want our pretties. Right. And that that's a big part of that. Um, I run into so many people that used to be anti-gun and then they finally were convinced one way or the other to go purchase a gun or maybe go to a range and rent one or something, or find a buddy that's got one and go try one out. And then a lot of times they wind up going to buy a gun. And then later I come back to these people a year or two down the road and go, hey, how's the whole gun ownership thing working out for you? And they wind up saying, oh, well, I'm on my eighth gun, or I bought ten guns. And then you kind of there's that moment there that you have with them where it's like they realize, oh, now I get it, right? Like it's fun. It's the same reason that you own more than one ball cap. It's the same reason you own more pairs of shoes. It's the same reason you own more than one car or you own a car you don't need, right? You got your daily commuter that gets you from point A to point B, but then you got your sports car, you've got your ATV, you know, you've got your boat that can go on the water and do motorcycle. things. Motorcycle. It's all, yeah, motorcycle. Everything's a different tool for a different job. And gun ownership is very much the same way. It's not uncommon for a gun owner to own lots of guns, multiple guns, you know, stretching over a wide variety of different purposes. Um, So some purchases can be kind of task-driven. You know, hey, I need a hunting rifle. I need a squirrel rifle like a twenty-two, or, you know, I want an AR to protect my house, or I want a handgun to wear every single day. I know those are like really generic and cliche things to point to, but a gun purchase doesn't always have to have a reason. You can just own a gun because you want to or have a certain style of gun just because you want to. So there's a lot of different gun owners out there. You know, there's many people that, you know, they may not they may not care about hunting, right? They might want to own a gun strictly for the purpose of taking care of their families. And if an intruder or a robber or worse, you know, a rapist or a murderer uh, wants to cash that check, well, then you've got the ability to have your loved one stand toe-to-toe with someone that would cause them harm. Uh, And that is a perfectly legitimate, if not the reason, the Second Amendment exists, is to protect you from anybody that would hurt you, including up to your own very government that 
you know, and, and that's the reality of the situation is that the Second Amendment protects against tyranny. It is the reset button that our society has in case uh, politics don't work out. You know, it, like the right. old saying goes, you know, first it's the uh, it's the soapbox. And if the soapbox doesn't work, it's onto the cartridge box. Right. And that was our founding father's intention. I know that's really difficult for people to wrap their minds around and to think about, because as I said, in this cushy society, we find ourselves more often being complacent because things are really peaceful. There's nothing to really hurt over that much in terms of just the re- realities of the way we live. We're almost a little too comfortable. But that protection is there. And it does exist to give us the ability to hit that reset button. Right. And I, I think there's a few more boxes in between. <laughs> in between, there. I think there's the uh, the soapbox. There is the, uh, the ballot, ballot box, box <laughs> the uh, jury box. And then, you know, there's the cartridge box if, if all else fails. But I, I definitely get it. I think that's exactly what the original intentions were for the founding fathers when they when they wrote that. Um, but I, I also think that there's ultimately a personal responsibility that it is your responsibility to do what you have to do to protect yourself and your family. And I, I think it is the ultimate show of arrogance for one to feel like they have to, or even demand that somebody else take care of them. And what I mean by that is to, for any organization, any political group, any group of people or any group of moms demands that somebody's job is to ensure my safety is absolutely ridiculous. The only person's responsibility it should be to protect myself and to ensure my response, my protection and my family's protection is me under no circumstances. Will you ever hear me myself cry to somebody else that they should be doing more to protect me. That's arrogant. That's that's the, one of the most arrogant things that you can think. I think it's a very un-American trait for someone to expect others to be responsible for their life and liberty. I, I think that one of the most American traits to me, for us, is our extreme willingness to want to protect our own flock and to be independent. I mean, that's why we were founded as a country in the first place is because of our fierce will to live life by our own terms, right? Everything's done by the consent of the governed, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident. I mean, that's pretty clear right there. You know, that means that every person, whatever life, liberty, and the pursuit of that happiness is, it means that to each person. So we hold those truths to be self-evident. No matter what that happiness may be, the Second Amendment is a teeth that protect it, and it protects everybody. It doesn't matter. This country is so great because we're a place where you can be LGBT and be a gun owner. So it doesn't matter if you're gay or, or whatever whatever persuasion you are. Right. Your your rights are your rights. It doesn't matter if you're minority. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or whatever religion you are. All of those petty factors that people tend to throw in the hat as being a detractor against one group towards the other. All of that stuff is irrelevant under the light of the Second Amendment. It's a universal protection that we're all afforded no matter what we believe or any of that. Yeah, and I mean, it's really interesting that whenever you do anything 
in the U.S. currently, they ask you your gender and they ask you your uh, ethnicity. I've bought a lot of guns. They've never once asked my gender. They've never once asked my ethnicity. So it's very interesting that everybody's wanting to uh, get rid of the one right that doesn't care about either of those two things, yet they're extremely willing to provide all that information and, and infight and fight about him, her, zer, religion, this, that. They're willing to keep those ideals and they're willing to hold on to those things that are creating that conflict and they're willing to release and let go and give up the rights that keep them and will make you free. We are a free state. We're a free folk. And we're that for a reason. We fought extremely hard for it. And, you know, I don't believe that that's something that we should give up lightly at all. No. And I think a very large factor that we have to consider is that a lot of good people have fought and died for our ability to exist in the way that we have. And this society that we live in now has become so complacent and so comfortable that they don't know what it is to hurt anymore. And uh, and in some ways, that's great, right? Because that means you've created a safe society and a safe world where people are really happy. And, and a little complacency is not the end of the world, however, in the way of the Second Amendment it is. Because then people start to spread these ideas that, oh, well, we don't need the Second Amendment anymore. This place is so perfect and so cushy and so happy that why would we ever need to, to take up arms against each other or the government? And that's simply the wrong idea. Part of our strong independence comes from our armed populace and the fact that we can turn millions of gun owners into citizen soldiers overnight. If somebody were to try to hurt us or invade us, we have a literal army at our backs of we the people. And I believe that's very important. And I believe it's also important for the government to recognize and, dare I say, fear the fact that we're here and we're not going anywhere now Recently, Joe Biden made some comments about, oh, we have Hellfire missiles and we have F-16 fighter planes and all of this stuff. Well, that's all good and fine. But when someone from the government says we have fighter jets with Hellfire missiles, that just tells me all that much more that that's why we need the Second Amendment all that much more. Because the founding fathers would have definitely been greatly offended by that commentary or worse. No, absolutely. And the... The thing I'm trying to wrap my head around and what I can't understand is why the individuals that America apparently has decided that they want to put into the leadership roles are so far removed from the day-to-day living that they would say something like F-16s with Hellfire missiles. Anybody that knows knows they don't even do that. Like they, that doesn't even that's not even the right weapon. That doesn't that doesn't belong. That's for an age sixty four Apache helicopter, and this is just common stuff. Okay, um, but they're so far removed. If you asked them, oh, uh, how much is a gallon of gas in your in your uh, home state? I don't know. How much is a gallon of milk in your home state? I don't know. When's the last time any of these guys or girls drove themselves? They don't. They probably don't even have a driver's license. They get driven around. It's it's really crazy when you think that the decision makers that want to that are advocating so hard right now to take away your Second Amendment rights live in such a ivory tower. 
that they don't realize the consequences that they have are affecting the local populace in a way that is going to be very, very dangerous. And what's scary about that is they know that it won't affect them. Right. So, you know, you're talking about a group of people that defer every single inconvenience onto a team of people to deal with for them. Everything from, you know, the fiscal realities of, you know, things they might need, even just in terms of purchases, all the way to security, right? So when you defer that security to someone else, let's just say a group of armed guards, of course, well, then why do you need to carry a gun? You've got armed guards. Why do you need all of this? You've got a gated community and a gated area with a guard at the gate and armed people rolling around. You know, it really is a cult of personality, and it's it's a cult of extreme narcissism. Uh, these people are so detached from reality, and there's, they have such an over-glorified sense of self-importance that they are so out of touch that they truly don't care about your safety in in their mind, by taking guns from people, it just makes them all that much more safer. They know they're not going to have a gun, but they don't care because they have armed guards. And I think that there's also a little bit of a of a air of some of these people that are in the anti-gun world. They think, oh, well, I have no business owning a gun. I know I wouldn't be safe owning a gun. So by default, they go, oh, well, there's no way that anybody else needs to own a gun either. So that's their deference. Oh, well, I'm afraid of guns. So I'm not going to own one. Or, oh, I don't think I'd be safe with a gun, so I'm not going to own one. That's okay. If you don't want to own a gun, don't own a gun. But don't be a hypocrite and turn around and say, oh, well, no one else should own a gun just because I'm too lazy to get out and get some training or I'm too afraid of them. That's a Fear one. and ignorance are things that can be overcame and you move forward, right? In a really bad situation, let's just say a disaster situation or uh, let's just say a foreign army coming to our doorstep and there you go. You got to deal with them. They're right there. You don't have a choice. You don't have time to be scared. You don't have time uh, to, to not know. You know what I mean? Like you've got to jump into the fray and, and live and survive. And I feel that the majority of Americans just want to be free. They want to protect themselves and they want the best tools uh, for that job, right? If if my daughter is going to college, okay, do I want her to have a rape whistle or a pistol? I think I want the most direct uh, prevention of said rape or murder or both, right? I want her to be able to deal with the problem and take charge of her own life. I mean, I, I can't imagine. I mean, if you even if you ask the worst anti-gunner that you could ever run into, right? All right, there's a rapist outside the door, and they're about to kill and rape your wife. Do you want to give her a shotgun, an AR-15, something like that? Or do you want to give her a sharp stick and a telephone? And I can't think of a single person in a million years that wouldn't want their loved one to be able to protect themselves with the absolute best means they have available. That's right. But they wouldn't want you to have it. They would just want their family to have it. Um, And then they'll cover it up and tell you that they didn't have it it's 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 a very hypocritic uh, stance um because when you start to start looking at the odds and ends of things um especially when you look at something like that but look at um and i'm not to get this political but it's a very good example when you look at all of the uh presidential candidates flying around on their private jets and they're ducking and dodging and weaving to not get photographed coming out of their planes um imagine they're doing that to garner votes 
they are going to have, even if they get their way and they somehow manage to get uh, any type of infringements passed, they're still going to be protected with guns because that's the ultimate hypocrisy. They're going to have Capitol Police to protect them while they're working their normal job. They're going to have Secret Service with guns. They're going to have private security details with guns. All the while, the everyday average American citizen is going to have sticks and rape whistles <laughs> to defend And all their... subsidized yeah. by taxpayers. Exactly. And they want to use your tax dollars to pay for it. And it really is the ultimate hypocrisy. Okay, so Elizabeth Warren, I'm just going to go ahead and say her name, okay, go gets off the plane and wants to duck behind her assistant so nobody sees her getting off a private jet. Oh, but she's all greenness and, and oh, the environment and all of this stuff. Come on, you're on a private jet. And it's also this elitist thing, right? right. They get into these positions in government and they feel like, you know, oh, I'm greater than thou and they want a chest pump and, oh, I'm so-and-so. I'm important because I'm an elected representative and all this stuff. And it becomes this power grab. You know, it becomes this ladder that they've got to grab the next rung. It becomes a belt where they need the next notch in it, right? And it also becomes a, I'm important and you're not. But on the surface, it has to appear that they actually care about the people when really all they want is that vote in the ballot box. And after they get that, they're going to do everything they can to keep, achieve, and amass more power. And that's the scary thing is that these people within the government always want to keep and achieve more and more power, more influence. They want to broker power. And it gets to a point where that power is at such a great level that the only way they can achieve more is to disarm everybody. And that's a, a very scary thing. I mean, Republicans are supposed to be, you know, the party of gun rights. At least that's what they say. You know, an overwhelming majority of Republicans say, oh, I'm pro-gun, this and that. Of course, the Democrats, their position traditionally is uh, being anti-gun. So there's a lot of hypocrisy on both sides of the aisle. I mean, I, I don't really like to engage in party politics. I don't like to make it a one side like this or that side, you know, left or right or Democrat or Republican or even libertarian. I like to look at things just from a uh, worldview or at least try to have a bit of an idea about my personal opinion on things. I let that sort of drive the way that I look at issues, but... No matter how you cut it, I don't care what side of the aisle you, that you're on, if you disarm somebody, that's the ultimate enslavement, right? I mean, okay, so who within our society, as it stands right this very moment, who within our society is it is it deemed to be, let's just say, socially acceptable to outright disarm, right? I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, okay, so who do we disarm within our society? Criminals? Okay, so when you're arrested, you don't get to take your gun to jail, Okay, I guess I can sort of understand that. So there's situations, right? You know, you rape some little girl, you murder somebody, yeah, you're not going to get to own a gun. There's certain exclusions that we have. There's certain, I guess, sort of um, human interactions that we put forth that we go, hey, you know, if you've done this horrible, heinous thing, all right, you're not going to get to own a gun, you lose your rights, okay? Uh, there's certain, you know, boundaries that we create. And, you know, if you don't honor the human condition, then you no longer get to be treated like a human, Okay, now something's clicking. All right. Well, if you don't get to be treated like a human, then why do the Democrats want to disarm everybody? Because that's what we do to people that don't honor the human condition. So basically what they're telling you is we want to disarm you because you don't honor the human condition. But wait a minute. I didn't rape somebody. I didn't murder somebody. I'm not a criminal. You're getting lumped in with but them. But they're though. lumping you into it. Oh, they, they want to make society think that you 
are a criminal, you just don't know it yet. Or, oh, you haven't broke the law yet, but you will. That whole pre-crime right, thing. Right, right. No, and, and that's a great point as far as like, I mean, that's a whole nother, you know, level of pre-crime. And we're going to predict this. And based on your uh, search history, your web search history and your emails, we've determined that you are uh, a high risk for crime. So we're going to uh, just go ahead and withdraw your Second Amendment rights. We don't believe that you can be trusted with uh, with a gun. Um, now, imagine that is not outside the realm of possibility because think about this for a second, guys. Bloomberg did not trust did not trust New York with 16 ounce sodas. He had them banned. He did not trust adults. Free American adults. He did not trust them with 16 ounce sodas. So he banned them. If he's willing to ban a soda, what else is he willing to ban? And that's a soda, folks. I mean, just think about it. If they're willing to drill down so deep into the average American's normal life that they say, we don't think you should uh, be drinking so much sugar, we're going to ban sodas. And you know what? We don't think you should be eating that much red meat. We're going we're gonna to ban red meat. And you can't hunt red meat, so we're going to take your guns. And then we're going to put you on this program. It's just some very Orwellian style of, of government. And, um, you know, it is coming if you're not careful. Uh, I can tell you that right now. If you just look, go back in, the, in their uh, histories, you know, mayor, mayoral history, um, if they're senators, senators, congressmen, look at their voting habits. You, all that stuff is public information. Also, their contributions. Yes, their contributions, uh, vote, how they vote, how often they vote. All that stuff is those are precursors to what they, how they will be what the, what type of leadership they will be um, but as I mean as far as you know modern two a goes guys don't give an inch because everybody i mean to, the to kind of harp on the bump stock thing, everybody assumed it's just bump stocks don't worry, give it to them, and uh you know it'll it'll go away wrong all those people that thought that way were wrong. That was a foot in the yeah, door. I, I think that there's certainly a lot of people that go, oh, well, Trump's just playing 5D chess and all of this mess. No, it, it's it's the inch that's going to equate to the mile eventually, right? You know, first it's bump stocks, then it's AR triggers, then it's, you know, short barrel uh, or it's um, it's pistol braces, shotgun yep. braces, fire, you know, the whole firearm thing. Yep. Um, you know, it's going to become one thing, then another, and then all of a sudden here you are. And the world has just gone to pod, and there's nothing you can do about it. So it's pretty scary. You know, it, you can't assume that one party or the other is going to truly care about your rights. And I think that it does come down to an elitist attitude. It comes down to class struggle. I believe a lot of these people get involved in government because they want to they want to climb that ladder. They want to grow, and they want to they want to leave the, the world they had behind. They don't want anything to do with the average people. That's why they're in politics, because they want to grow above that. They want to be a part of the club. They want to have the exclusivity, right? They want to go to Lolita Island on Epstein's plane. Oh, I mean, but that's the thing. That, yeah, it was a real th- There's place. only so many luxuries that a person within a lifetime can achieve with money or anything, but before it comes to a part where, you know, 
it becomes power, power brokering and status symbol and the exclusivity. And I think that that is a huge part of it. How many times do you see all these rich millionaires and billionaires? I mean, look at Bernie. He's running, right? And Bernie's a millionaire. Okay, you're a millionaire. What in the world could you possibly want? Oh, well, you want the notoriety being president. Well, one can understand that, right? Because we all want to achieve things. But what's the issue there? The issue is they want to create a world that is an exclusivity. You know, these rich people that hate the Second Amendment. The reason they hate the Second Amendment so much is because it puts an average person on the same playing field as them. The equalizer. It, they, they know that the average person can go in a gun store and spend 150 bucks on a used shotgun. It ain't going to be the nicest shotgun in the world, but they've got a means to protect themselves. They know that a poor person can go into a gun store and buy a high point. I was going to say the high or, point. Or buy a, whatever. A, just enter whatever you know reasonably priced gun out there. Right, they know that gun ownership has an entry level that is affordable, and that you know the guns are decent and they can protect themselves with them. And they hate the idea that a poor person can go and buy a gun and protect themselves in the same way that they can. They want things that we can't have, so they want gun control because they know it won't apply to them. And then they create a whole nother exclusivity that oh, you peon. Uh, you peon people don't get to own guns. You have to be a rich, elite person to own a gun. That's part of it. That's right. And, and you know, if they get their way, they might make it where, oh, well, well now you have to be, uh, you have to have a special license and registered training, which means now you have to hire, you have to have enough money to hire a PSD detail in order to protect you. So they just keep raising that barrier to entry. Because I think that's a very valid point. Anybody has the opportunity to go in and for a very affordable price, be able to protect themselves and their family and be self-dependent. They don't depend on anybody but themselves. Um, yeah, you don't have to have an entire arsenal just to be able to own a few guns and protect yourself. There's right. nothing wrong with protecting yourself. Right. So on that note, what would you say you would probably, what is one of your favorite handguns? Okay. Well, there's certainly a lot of great handguns out there, and I know uh, my associate Barry from Gun Gripes, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but he's here in, in spirit with us every day. Barry used to say that a high point uh, in, on your desk, your bedside beats a uh, Glock on layaway, and that certainly you know can be true, you know, to, to buy what you can afford. But you know, I really do like the M and P series of pistols. I, love them. I like Glocks quite a bit. Uh, there are certainly some great examples of uh, you know great handguns out there. You don't have to spend a ton of money. I mean, some of the CZs are wonderful. The CZP10 is a great gun. Love it. Uh, the SPO1 Phantom is one of my favorite double single action pistols out there. It's got generous capacity, a rail system, uh, very very accurate, just wonderful handguns. You know, I uh, I came out one day and we were uh, y- you let me shoot the uh, Type 59. Um, and brother from just from a, like, I don't even know if you would call it a vintage gun, but just like that, that gun, the trigger on that thing, factory trigger is, it was crazy, man. That was like butter. You just, you, you squeeze it and no trigger reset. And I love that gun. I fell in love with it. Um, 
I don't remember the price point on it. I don't know if you could pick them up from like a pawn shop or something at a pretty reasonable price. Yeah, they're not too bad. Yeah, but that thing was it was a really really good shooter. I think that a lot of people, you know, maybe that are listening into this podcast, maybe you're an anti-gunner who's thinking, well, you know what, maybe maybe I do want to empower myself. Maybe I do need to own a gun. Maybe I do need to understand where these folks are trying to come from. And I feel it's important to let people know that this truly, for us, is not a political type of statement. It's just a statement of solidarity of our protection, right? No matter what you believe, it's important that you protect that belief, Okay, And I think that a lot of folks that are looking into getting into guns for the first time, it can be a little bit of a daunting task because there's so many things out there. But you could really round yourself out real nice with like maybe a Glock 19 or CZ 75 or something like that, whatever you like. Pick a nice handgun, maybe a nice pump shotgun. You know, you could find a used Mossberg 590A1 or a decent used Remington 870 uh, for not a ton of money. Uh, get you, you know, good pump shotgun would be nice for the house. You know, load it with some good number four buck or some buckshot. Probably not a bad idea. And then an AR, you know, an AR is a very versatile rifle that can be used for a lot of different purposes. Okay. I mean, they make great hunting rifles. If you do want to hunt, you can put some 75 grain uh, ammo, some heavies in there, um, something like uh, the Bore Buster, or, you know, there's plenty of you know, carry loads that you can actually get for your AR. I know like the 75 grain Hornady tap is a really good round. You can hunt pigs with that. You can hunt coyotes with proper shot placement. You can kill deer with it. Uh, And of course, ARs are wonderful as a car rifle, you know, something to keep in your vehicle, in your home for protection. Uh, It's just a great multi-purpose rifle that can really fulfill a lot of different needs. They're really, really easy to shoot. Uh, they're easy, easy to, to work and use. They're easy to clean. Uh, the recoil impulse on an AR is super, super gentle. So it's a perfect gun for a lady, uh, smaller frame people, youngsters, uh, older folks who may have mobility issues or maybe painful joints or something. It's just a great all-around gun that can fulfill a wide variety of different roles, and they're extremely common. ARs are everywhere. So a lot of people on mainstream media tend to paint this demonized picture of the AR-15 like it's this horrible bringer of death. And it's just simply not true. The facts and uh, and the data just don't back up what they wish to be the truth, right? The AR-15 is extremely prevalent. It's common, and it is out there, and they're all around. Anytime you're out in public anywhere in the United States, chances are there's an AR-15 probably within, within 100 feet of where you're sitting, and they are not hurting nobody. Well, the the facts are, and the facts don't care about people's feelings, hammers are responsible for more deaths in the U.S. than AR rifles. Um, It's just a fact. Look it up. It's FBI, the 2000, I think 2017 um, statistics, uh, their report. Um, So we put that one to bed. Um, people, People like to harp on them and, and think they're bringers of death. And that's just simply not the case. What I would like to add on is that one of the things that lends the AR uh, platform to be so great is that how modular they are. Um, you know, yes, the AR 15 or variant has a very, very light uh, recoil impulse, but you can also throw on different kits. Um, you know, if you want to do a 22 uh, conversion kit, you can plink with it. 
Um, they even have a 22 that has the same manual of arms as a, as a AR-15. So it makes a great starter rifle uh, for really, really young folks or if you just want to be uh, plinking around. Um, but I think just having a well-rounded base, it's not crazy to think that having those weapons, uh, you have an arsenal. I think it gets misconstrued. And a lot of people are like, oh, you have a whole arsenal. What are you talking about? I have different tools. When you walk into a mechanic shop and he has a five foot tall snap on roll away tool chest that probably cost about $10,000 has all the different tools in it. You don't go and say something smart like that to them because they use those tools and each one of those tools has a purpose. It's the same thing. Shotgun has a purpose. AR has a purpose. Handgun has a purpose. These are just tools that you have and everybody should have those tools um, as a bare minimum. Oh, yeah. And there are certainly people that would take those tools away. And, you know, guns are the tool of a free people. Uh, they are the tools of liberty. They are the teeth of freedom. I mean, 110%. Anybody that would take away your right to bear arms is a person that obviously wants to control you and wants to remove the teeth of freedom uh, from society. And that's a very dangerous person to contend with within your society. You know, we've said this in some of our gun gripe episodes, but... Someone who is anti-gun is either evil, ignorant, insane, or all three, right? Ignorance we can cure. If someone simply doesn't know, well, then we can help them know. We can give them the information they need to make an informed decision. All right, ignorance, that's fine. We've all been ignorant at one point or the other, and we're all guilty of it. Now, the whole ev- <laughs> the evil and the insanity, now that, that's something I can't help. But I, I can't see a single politician... Right, regardless of what their stance on the Second Amendment is, I ain't going to see a single politician go around with a bunch of guards armed with sharp sticks. They're going to have the absolute best tools. So it's okay for them to have the tools they need to protect themselves. Okay. Oh, but you pee on civilian. Oh, you can't have that. Remember, guys, politicians are still civilians just like anybody else. Now, granted, they're civilians that are given, I feel, erroneously special privileges, but... They are still civilians, okay? And when they want to ban guns, they are telling you that your life does not matter and theirs does because you're not going to see their guards walking around with rocks and sticks. They're going to have AR-15s. They're going to have MP5s. They're going to have shotguns. They're going to have things in tow. And, of course, they're going to protect themselves with the absolute best tools of their ability. So if someone would want them selves to be surrounded by those tools with all of their armed uh, black boots, okay, uh, jack-booted thugs, which is, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but if they want all of their jack boots to be armed to the T and you not to be, that's a pretty hypocritical thing. It is. And on that note, I wanted to just make sure I touched on this while I could still, while it was still fresh in my head. There um, is a lot of, and I always have to, try to be careful about this because I always have to preface it with I'm a veteran and Eric's a veteran, but there's a lot of people that are in office and going for office that run on that status. They're a veteran, they're former veterans. So they think that they are very patriotic and very American and they know what's good for the, uh, the American. And a lot of Maranti gun, oddly enough. And they are. And I'm going to give you my two cents on why. One is because they spent the majority of their life in the military which is not a bad thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But you have to understand, and those that were in the military, 
will know this. It is a very, very um, sheltered life. You live a sheltered life because you know big, whether it was the Army or the Marine Corps, Air Force, or the Navy. In the Army, it was big Army. They basically control your life. Um, there are specific rules in place, and you you live outside the confines of, of the American uh, laws. You have your own set of rules, your own set of laws, your own court system, all of that. So how is it that you go from spending 15 years in the military, come out and automatically assume that you know what's best for the American people based on what you just experienced for the last 15 years in the military? It doesn't work that way. And I'm tired of seeing a lot of these guys and girls run for office and it turns out that they're anti-gun. Surprise, surprise. Because you're used to being, sir, you are used to being uh, surrounded by weapons all the time. And you spend so much time outside of the American, living as a regular American, you feel that you can place that same burden onto the general public. And it's just simply not the case. I look at, and I'm not naming names, but I'm sure you guys know who I'm talking about. Um, it's, it's just not, not the case. And you, to be an American is to be a patriot and to believe in the constitutional rights and to uphold those constitutional rights, regardless of how you personally feel about it. I feel that there's a heck of a lot of folks within the 2A community that really do just want everybody to be happy. And, uh, you know, we all collectively understand that happiness and the cornerstone of protecting that happiness and pursuing life, liberty, all of these things that without the Second Amendment, it just simply is not going to happen, right? Something down the line is going to happen, whether you know we fall into complete socialism or communism or any of these other ideas that punish successful people and punish risk-takers, okay? Uh, not to get off on that tangent, but they are very, very similar things. Anybody within society, right? If I were, let's say I have $100 in my wallet, okay? A thief comes and takes my $100 but gives me back 80 He's still a thief. Yes, he, he still is. took $20, okay? So it, you, you, can, you don't get to say, oh, well, it's okay because he gave me back 80 No, that's the wrong answer. The answer is he's not going to steal my $100 because if he does, I'm going I'm to hurt him for trying to take what's mine, right? So we protect what's ours. We work hard, and we fiercely, fiercely uh, try to succeed and make a better life for our friends and our family and all the people around us and to change the world that we live in for the better and be a positive change within the world we live in. I think that's the cornerstone of the Second Amendment. That's the cornerstone of where where the Second Amendment starts to blur the boundaries that society wants to create to separate each other. All this petty talk about, oh, racism, this and that, this person, that person, or, oh, the, that religion, this religion, or, oh, this person's straight, that person's gay. All the moral and religious dogma that people want to put forth towards others, right? Whether it's the Democrats saying, oh, you, you evil gun owners, you're all crazy and we want to take guns away, and oh, by the way, uh, socialism, this, that, and all of that sort of thing. But then the right saying, oh, well, you're going to hell because you're gay. Or, you know, you can't put that in your body even though it grows out of the ground. So see, there's a lot of things that both sides of the aisle are guilty of pointing the the the, the religious and moral 
high ground finger at each other, right? right? No matter what that perceived morality might be, each side is guilty of pointing at each other and going, no, but you do this. And I think somewhere in the middle, somewhere in that kind of middle ground, there's a group of people that are just like, you know what? I just want to live my life the way I want. I'm tired of listening to your bull crap. I'm tired of listening to that side's bull crap. And I want to put what I want in my body. I want to marry who I want. I want to own whatever gun I want. I want to live my life the way I want. I want as little government interference as possible. And there's a lot of people that just want to be left alone and live and be happy. And they want that happiness for other people. I don't think that's really asking for a lot. It, it's not. And um, that that's a very, very fair statement to say. I think it's a great assessment of what's going on with the finger pointing. And trying to find that middle road um, is hard. It's proving to be very difficult. So um, I would just, if you're listening and you find yourself uh, indecisive, uh, if you're anti-gun and if you're indecisive, what I would say is go to your local shooting range and rent a gun. They have them there. There's no judgment there. Every single shooting range I've been into, they've been super helpful. If you tell them, hey, I'm a first-time shooter and I want to know what this is all about, they'll probably help you out more than they normally would. They'll walk you out there. They'll walk you to the shoot, the firing lane. They'll, they'll help you out. And they want to make sure, because most of the time they're great ambassadors to the, for, to the Second Amendment, they want to make sure you have a great experience. Go and do it. It'll probably cost you about 25 bucks total. Um, get, you know, they'll, they'll hook you up with something that's very easy to shoot and just experience it and see what you think. And if you're indecisive about it, hopefully it it helps turn you. And if you're anti, maybe you'll figure out what it's all about and you'll see, you'll see a different perspective on it. Or if anything, just go take a class, you know, sign up for like just a basic pistol class or something and just go learn and get a little bit of knowledge. And, you know, after a four or five hour long pistol class, you might walk away going, you know what? I think I'd like to own a gun. Right. And that's perfectly cool. Or you may go, you know what? I didn't shoot very well. I didn't take the instruction well. Maybe this isn't for me. And it's okay for something to not be for you. But don't punish the rest of society that wants to protect themselves. Uh, I will also end by saying, look, if you're someone that's on the fence about being a gun owner, get out and talk to gun owners. You are not going to run into a gun person that is some evil, heinous person like the mainstream media would have you believe, right? Most of us are awesome people, and we really, really love getting new shooters into the fold. You are never going to meet a person that is hard to get along with in the 2 acre world. I mean, especially if you tell them, hey, I'm not really into guns that much, it's almost like a challenge, Right. You know, we 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 hear from people that may not be pro gun and we go, oh, okay. well, I want to change that. And that's cool. Right. You know, they're going to try their best to make you see the light because they want you to see and feel the freedom that they feel when they can protect their home. And they know that if anything happens in the middle of the night, if there's a bump in the night or the worst thing, that they're prepared for the absolute worst scenario. And that's a very comforting feeling to have. Um, So. Don't be afraid to talk to gun owners. I think that's very important. Uh, start the conversation, you know, and uh, I think you'll find that you'll be enlightened by a lot of uh, really good people out there that would love to, you know, show you the right way. So uh, we really want to take a moment to thank all of our listeners. Thank you guys so much for supporting Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. Definitely want to take a moment to thank all of our Patreon supporters, as well as those of you who purchase man cans. Also, go over to Ballistic Inc., pick yourself up a cool t shirt. 
and uh, all those funds go right back into supporting our projects. Uh, is there an LLP episode that you'd like to hear? Uh, let us know, and we'll try to accommodate your needs. Uh, Matt? No, that is it, guys. Thanks so much for the outpouring of support. So far, it's been absolutely amazing. You guys have been great. Uh, and like Eric said, if you guys have ideas, let us know. Um, we are an open book, and if we have a, if we see a great idea, we'll run with it. Absolutely. Have a good one, guys. Many more podcasts on the way. Bye-bye. <laughs>